tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In this lesson, podcast number two, Dan and I are going to be looking at neoclassical techniques such as string skipping, pedal tones and sweeping. So pick up your guitars and join us for our lesson. After the lesson last week, I was thinking about how to put some more neoclassical ideas in my playing, uh, maybe how to speed up my playing a little bit as well. Ah, right. Any advice on that? Lots. For instance, pedal tones are one idea which we can look at, which okay. is where we, we focus on one note, and we're going to keep coming back to that note, but we're going to play notes off of it. And you might have that one note that we're going to keep coming back to. Uh, I was on that that string let's move to the top okay so 10, 13, 13, 12, 13 on the top and I can already feel that weakness that I know is there Mm. and probably is for a lot of people out there on the little finger on the pinky oh I'm going to explain (laughs) I'm going to explain why in a little bit for, for those maybe listening in so getting into something like this is, um, uh, you know, y- your fingers are going to be doing all kinds of uh, tomfoolery, <laughs> tomfoolery <laughs> and magical tricks and the rest. <laughs> well, yours might be, mine won't be. Um, so what's what kind of is a good warm up? It's, it's the kind of stuff that finger mouse could only dream of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> mouse bending over backwards. So yeah. I mean, pedal tones are one aspect we we, we going to tackle. We'll have a quick look at sweeping as well. Um, sweeping can be put into many many different contexts. Yep. However, in neoclassical music, uh, you get a lot of sweeping because obviously it's all about the arpeggios as well. So playing a broken chord, which sweeping is exactly that. Quite often we can sort of sweep through certain notes in scales where it becomes more like an economy picking thing, but the sweeping is quite paramount. Yep. Some of the chord progressions you might be asked to play, um, some of the neoclassical sort of themes... Um, as I say, a lot may, may well be built around sort of arpeggios and groups of notes. Often things are sort of grouped in a very sequenced fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. That kind of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll look at briefly at a few of those themes and maybe how we can tie them in with what we already do. So let's look at... Is there a good warm up to lots? Maybe to, just to kind of start yeah, off on about like fifteen this. years playing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Actually. I've done thirty, so I've had a head start. <laughs> I know the spider gym type thing, and, and do try and sit down and practice that as much as I can. Before you just move it up one semitone and then down a semitone. Now I feel with this exercise, there's good bits and bad bits about right. it. The good thing is you're getting your fingers moving individually and you're yeah. trying to link the hands together. So for those who are listening in, we're taking it from, say, the fifth fret. Yeah. We're playing up from the fifth to the eighth. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. We're playing with individual fingers, our first, our second, our third, and our fourth. With the picking hand, we're doing strict down and up movements. Alternated picking down, up, down, up. Yeah. Once we're done with one string, we move on to the next string and the next string and so on in an ideal world we could keep up with a a metronome sort of kicking out sort of quite a high beat per minute yeah sort of thing but you can use you can use a metronome to obviously sort of gauge your progress and that that sort of thing try not to sacrifice 
accuracy for speed. Right. <clears throat> so try and keep it accurate and defined at all times. And as well, you, what you want to do is, is try and get it so you're smoothly crossing the string. So it sounds like one long line rather than sounding like this. You want it to sound like one long continuous loop. Yeah. Now the good thing with that, as I say, is it links the two hands together. Providing you're using alternated picking, yep. that's all good, it's all going to help. Where I have a problem with it is in the real world, yep. looking at how scales are built, very few scales are built on four notes of string, apart from something like the chromatic scale. Yeah. You know, not the kind of thing you're going to be playing in the dog and duck on the Friday night. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> but not. your major and minor scales, they tend to be built on three note per string patterns. Yeah. They don't have to be, but they're more usable that way and a little bit easier to, to kind of get your fingers around. Mm. So when we play like a major pattern, it's three notes of string. So we're getting to drum into our picking hand, four notes string, down, up, down, up. And then when do you want to put it into practice? <laughs> Where is it? Because then you need three notes of string. So it's, it's worth practicing both. So what I've devised as a good way to break this exercise down and make it more useful for everybody is try taking either your second or your third finger out to form a new pattern. So instead of going one, two, three, four, yeah. First, second, third, fourth. We're going to go one, two, four, missing out the third. Yeah. Which completely changes the feel because we've now got triplets. That's a just a little thing, but a great bit of advice that I've never really thought of, so that's good. I mean, if you're thinking about it logically, like if you were training a chef how to do breakfast in a hotel, but he's going to spend the next three months cooking dinners although he's still cooking and it's still useful to him you're not kind of teaching him the thing he needs to learn so with the picking if you're learning to pick four notes to string you're then going to have the new hurdle of having to learn to pick three when you could have done that already yeah see what i mean learning to pick groups of four is always useful but you will find in guitar playing terms that three is more common so it's probably a slightly more useful thing to go for the other thing as well is unless you're playing, as I say, a chromatic scale, you're not going to shoot straight up, fret after fret after fret, and then back again. Mm -hmm. You're going to have gaps, intervals, leaps, you know, a fret and then two frets, you know, two frets and two frets, two frets and one fret, whatever it may be. So with this, taking that finger out, in this case the third, so we get one, three, four. <laughs> So you took the two out, so you did the other one. Oh, I did it the other way. That's, didn't I? that's cool <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. Let's try again. Stumbling a little bit at times, so I'll keep looking at that. That's cool, but um, those are two patterns: one, two, four, one, three, four, which appear regularly in scales. Yeah. Scales, modes, blue scale even, you'll, you'll see those patterns pop up. The other one is that, like a two fret gap and a two fret gap. Like the major, the first, the first uh, three ones of the major, yeah. yeah. So five, seven, it's quite good because of the stretch as well, isn't it? Actually quite a nice sound as well, actually, when you go all the way across all the strings. Yeah, it's got an unusual sound. A little bit of stumbling, but yeah, I can see that. I sometimes practice with just the third and fourth okay. as well. Or hammering on and stuff like that. I suppose that's anything like that's useful, is it? Do you know why we struggle with those? These two fingers share a tendon, the third and the fourth. Ah, so yeah, they do they not do, yeah. operate as example. independently well as first and second. So when you're trying to move, I remember years I, ago. I've heard that. That's, that's good to be reminded of that. Because yeah. I'm not just 
rubbish with it's it. It's part of the regular <laughs> human anatomy that gets missed. You know, my finger will fly. Yeah, well, you're overcoming more with your third and fourth than you are with the other two. Yeah. Uh, I think as well, it's very natural for us when we get a guitar, whether it's as a kid or as an adult, to sort of start learning with our first finger. It tends to be the first thing that we that we use. Yeah. You know, even when you learn the the minor pentatonic scale or something like that, you know, people often find the first position very easy, and then the other positions they're very forgetful of until they've really honed them down. Mm. And we wonder why that is. Well, if it's the one that you're using all the time, it's going to go in, isn't it? So yeah. if you're always using your first and second fingers because they're easy, then those are the ones that you're not going to have a problem with. The third and fourth you know they're a bit more of a struggle now if you're not using the the fourth finger but you're using the third mm. you then don't have the problem of it of it being hamstrung to the fourth yep so again it's not really it's a bit of a non-issue but you bring the little finger into play and it's a problem now i remember when i was in my i was probably about 20 years old and i met big jim sullivan and had some lessons with him and the, the thing he said to me it was in, interesting he pinpointed it I was just working on my technique like everybody else but he said which finger do you think is the, the weakest of yours and he probably thought I was going to say oh my little finger but I'd been doing quite a lot of stuff with my little finger and I said actually I think it's my third finger and he's the one who showed me that little exercise you did sort of running up and down the fourth and fifth frets using the third and fingers I didn't realise at the time it's because they shared a hand a, um, a tendon sorry I said hamstring but the reason I said third finger I felt was the weakest was because when I went to do pull offs like this sort of thing when I pulled my little finger off yeah, that's the true. third finger wanted to go with it which of course if it's sharing a tendon it will so you have to train it to be more independent than the rest. So what we're doing, what we're doing there is pulling off fourth to third to first, and then yeah. back on. Yeah, you can get some pretty good speed up with those. <laughs> you can get the feels really clunky, doesn't it? Really, I mean, I need a bit more volume, maybe. Ah, yeah. Try not to rely too much on the pull-off, but almost as if it's little hammers. So when you say don't rely on the pull-off too much, you mean concentrate on the hammers and the pull-off will kind of happen. Almost like if you do sort of all, all little hammers almost. When you're going down, so so you're also going to hammer with that first finger as well. Ah, right, okay, tricky, huh? Okay, yeah, it feels a little less clunky. So this is the other thing with the warm-ups, is I would say it's good to do the stuff with the picking. Yeah. Um, but it's also a good idea to be able to kind of hammer on stuff as well. So by all means take something like a major scale. Run up and down yeah. with the pick. Yeah. That's probably not out of my comfort zone as much. Oh yeah, maybe it is. Everything is. For those of you at home, everything's out of my comfort zone. <laughs> Okay. So going Very down is almost funky, isn't it? always down. tougher, yeah. So you have to stand up your fingers a little bit more. So, oh, see what I mean? And hammering on everything again. It gives you a clearer hammer on. Otherwise, your fingers sort of end up yanking to the side a little bit sometimes as you pull off. You have to be quite strict with them. 
But you know, you can almost practice all of the exercises you would fret and 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 pick. Yeah. But without the picking. So that's quite a good warm up in itself. Mm. Excellent. All right. There's, so there's quite a few good warm ups. So rather than take this, because I've done it quite a lot in the spider gym as well, just because it takes. So rather than do that, do three notes per string um, with a metronome. Yeah. Uh, then uh, practice just with the third and fourth fingers as well. That was good advice. I would say with the metronome, I guess there's some people who swear by them. There's probably quite a lot of people who swear at them. Yeah, I'm probably in the latter, <laughs> latter group. Retronome. I'd rather stick on a backing track and play along with that, really, most of the time. But um, I do try to play the metronome as well because I think it's a tool. And like any tool, you probably won't use that tool on every single job. If I take my pedal board out and I play a gig, I probably won't necessarily use every single pedal. Yeah. And on some gigs, I'll be using more than others. And other gigs, I'll be using hardly any. I wonder why I bothered plugging into the thing in the first place. So I find metronome is a very useful tool when you want to bring your timing into line. It's very yeah. useful for, for bringing your accuracy into line and also for making sure that something that needs to be picked metronomically is picked metronomically. Because there will be times if you go in a studio and you've got to play to a click track or even just playing to a drummer, you know, you can't say after every song at a gig, oh, oh hang on, guys, I, I need to nail this bit before I play it live. You are playing it live. Yeah. You know, so a metronome is a tool to help you nail certain things, maybe some of the more technical things. Yeah. But you don't want it to rob you of your freedom as a player to be able to play what's in your head and play what you want to do. You know, ideally we want to work to to be all having an internal metronome, mm-hmm. an internal pulse that is ticking away constantly, and that when we play with other people, that pulse is always there and it kind of keeps us on track and it doesn't matter how hairy the timing gets our internal clock is keeping us where we want to be now although that sounds a little bit pie in the sky and a little bit hippie mm. that is basically how Makes it, sense, eh? it is how <laughs> it rolls I know that a lot of drummers say that if you can't hear the click track you know you're in time right because you're hitting on the track on yeah. the click because yeah, you're dialed into that pulse yeah. you're absolutely dialed into it how can you play around with the beat if you don't internally know where the beat is yeah of course you can't you know you know you you end up with a very robotic sort of thing you know sometimes you need to play very metronomically and sometimes you need to be able to throw the beat around but you can't throw something around if you can't see where it is to start with yeah so use it but don't use it all the time gotcha yeah use it as your tool use it as a tool to nail things I remember I had a lesson years ago with Phil Hillborn and he noticed that I had a reasonable turn of speed with my alternate picking yeah and um, in his big Essex tone he sort of we're picking that quite fast aren't you <laughs> then he proceeded to, to to hand me some Paul Gilbert stuff I tried it <laughs> and I worked with the metronome it had it had the beats per minute written on the piece and I worked with it and it was a good learning curve to be able to kind of tie your picking and everything in your fretting in so that it all kind of comes together uh, but I honestly I would say that I only use it when something's kind of troublesome or I'm working on something that needs it it's a tool like any other yeah. you know use it sparingly use it when you need to to use it it can be very good for exercises and it's also a very good gauge of where you're at because with a metronome you know it stands to reason if today you can do it 80 beats a minute and next week you can do it at 85 well technically you're improving yeah okay yeah that makes sense musically you may not be but technically you will be <laughs> yeah yeah so there you go doing your warm-ups as patterns is also a good idea like your your typical sort of classical style coils, you know, like the Bach's the Carter to Fugue kind of thing. So, so we're in D minor, yeah. Well, that that would be the original, but I'm sort of suggesting maybe your normal 
sort of pattern that we're using as our exercise, okay. you could use that using that pattern because it will help with your picking and fretting. <laughs> One, one, three, four. Okay. So you go up three and then back to your first note. Yeah. Then onto the second note. Go up three and then back to your first okay. note. Okay. Carry on going in that way. So there's a real workout for your ah. pick. Yeah, it's quite. Um... Also, your mind as well, a little oh, bit, which yeah. is quite good. Okay, that's a good one. And then I'm gonna be looking at that, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then try it with the other sort of one, two, one, four. Two, four. <laughs> Most people at home, you are hammering everything again. Your first finger, because that's. I reckon you could have done that without the picking hand. Yeah. So you've got first finger hammering on as well as second finger hammering, everything's well, hammering on. You, I found many years ago that I could get pretty good attack with my pick. Yeah, sorry. But it was my left hand kind of wasn't doing much to assist apart from vaguely moving over the notes yeah and then I realised it was it was actually Guthrie Govan who said in one of his creative guitar books very good book if you wish to have a look at it at some point it's a well worth a, well worth a gander yeah okay and he said a lot of people's picking problems sometimes comes from actually the left hand not the right right okay I think it probably in reality comes from both, but he had noticed that, that there is sometimes a problem with the left hand, the fretting hand, or the right hand if you're left-handed, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I found that very thing, that once you start actually making this hand work as it should, yeah. so you're fretting the notes like that, so you, you almost could play it without a pick. Which would be a good warm-up, wouldn't it, surely? It for would that also be a good yeah, yeah. warm-up. Yeah. That then assists the picking hand. Yeah, excellent. It's horrible to pick. Yeah, quite yeah. Frankly, it's awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can, <laughs> you know, you 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 can put yourself through some of those tougher patterns and. And you will become, you know, technically more able because of it. So, shall we move on to the thorny issue of making playing interesting? Let's do it. Yep. So these neoclassical things. Yep. What are we feeling about those? What are you thinking? What? Where? Where? Uh, how would you like to uh, <coughs> shoehorn them into? Where, where am I? Uh, uh, I quite. I mean, I've done. A, I've done a bit of work on sweet picking. Uh, right hand tapping I've done a little bit of work not as much um, but just to go over those things I guess and, and put them into think about where they would fit into a, into a solo if I could put them into a solo that would be fantastic okay I'll say this much if a tune never sort of settles in one place and there are some tunes that, don't, that do do this one example is Black Knight by Deep Purple yeah churns away on the E for like a millennium before, before yeah. coming back in with the riff. Be true, but yeah. Anything which does that where harmonically, in other words, the amount of notes used at the time is fairly limited, you can almost play any kind of mode that you like that's connected to that E note and you'll you'll get, you know, something that kind of works. Okay. So it's then about kind of mood. What kind of mood do you want to set with those notes? So I'll give you an example. If you were churning away for me, 
on the what kind of, what kind of rhythm? So, That's good. using the Phrygian... Lydian would be good, I guess. Lydian, yeah, we yeah. could do Lydian. That's just... So, so there's lots of different approaches if you if you kind of have a fairly static place, yeah, you know, in which to, to sort of work with, or even if you've got something which is maybe kind of quite a, a minor sort of progression, yeah, you know, not particularly classical, say, but you know, your, your typical sort of A minor to F. Classical themes going on there, right? So, um, so for example, I had some string skipping. Uh, string skipping. I guess I guess with stuff like that, it's like uh, I mean, like I've done a bit of string skipping, and I think we should we should have a look at that technique. But uh, it's the point of reference, isn't it? So you're on a chord, which note, where 
For me, for me on the, the string skipping I tend to use, I do this one. And I know that's the note of the chord. Right. And that's so the only one I'm on at the moment. So, but, but that helps me to find, to find that. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm starting there on the A minor. So I'm on a... Uh, that kind of thing, but you've yeah. got a slightly different pattern. So, so that's top string 8 5, 8 5, but you're repeating it twice. 8 5, then miss a string. No, I'm starting on the G string, I think. Now, still starting with an A. Ah, oh, still starting with an A. Or, um. She's starting with a C, sorry, on the D string of the 10th. Or something for anyone, you, you can do that, and I, I then just carried on. So I had the C, which is the major pattern, like the D that you had. Thank you. 
Um, so that kind of follows around okay, the chord progression. So you, you could do sort of similar things and extend it. Yeah. So if you wanted to add the little sort of three note kind of. Oh yeah, I like four that. Four note sort of. Uh, which which so which got the A minor twelve. Adding it into the Ooh, other one. Ooh, nasty. Fruity. So, uh, we might need to explain that for anyone who. So, there I go up there. Ooh. Okay, so we got. Get a bit so, so on, on, on the A minor, it'd be you okay. could do that. You could go up after, <laughs> or you could start with the, the with higher the one. Nicer into it. So 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 you go down three notes, then the last note starts your next pattern. You sort of slide the Got it, so slide down. So you put your little finger on the top string there, so... Yeah. Like if you use your little finger, which is probably like ergonomically the best way. Yeah. I have a habit of sliding with my third. Oh, no, that would make sense. Just because it's a little bit stronger, but then obviously you've got so a bit of a... Start there. ...finger mix up with the other end, yeah. Ah, yeah, <laughs> so what, what's the F again? So the F is there. So. Back up for the F. Uh, let me just get that. Okay. 
So we're going from, uh, what's that, 17? 17, 17 13, 13, slide down to 6, then back up to 10, 10, 7, 8, 9, and slide up again. So you're playing three notes in a row with your first finger. I'll just ask her. Thank you. 
<laughs> Need to work on the endings. <laughs> it, can be, it can be tough cramming it all in there, but... Yeah, that's yeah, great, that's great. does kind of work. So let's look at pedal tones. Yeah, okay, brilliant. So pedal tones are a bit yeah. of a win. And you can get them on YouTube as well, can't you? They just go on for 15 minutes. Well, these backing tracks or pedal tones. Just find a backing track, and, and I'm pretty sure there's a there's one out there for every every oh, note, pretty, and it just goes much. for minutes and minutes. So. So you can do you can do um, a sort of descending line for pedal tones. Centre section from a track by Ingrid Malmsteen called I'll See the Lad Tonight. And on it, it had a pedal tone section played pretty fast, 139 beats a minute. There was one example of me using a metronome to bring that up to speed. Yep. And he used the A harmonic minor scale. Right, okay. And proceeded to do that kind of thing. Starts on the tenth fret of top. That's it. He doubles up. Then down. And then. Then he starts jumping, so he misses one and then moves back up. Back up. We're starting on the four. 
when you mix the other strings. Sweet picking was Ingway's Demon Driver, <laughs> but I've never got it. I've never even come close. Is it 220 beats per minute? How does it, how does it go? It's the I old, don't um, it. Another uh, case of twenty. <laughs> if you want to get a, a classical theme in, yeah. um, the diminished things. <laughs> essentially repeat in a different order every three frets yeah. so if you start it at the first fourth seventh tenth thirteenth and so on the shape can remain the same as you move through it ways and then moving on to the next would, one would you be encouraging me to use my third finger second finger and then first finger for the the, the yeah, top I, note I must well. admit I find I find with this one you can use the little finger but I find it a little bit awkward so I kind of come across with my third finger from yeah. the G to the top string when I need it Try tapping. Oh, on the, the third, third above. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that kind of effect. Okay. Maybe go for an area of the neck yeah, that's yeah, a I'll, little easier. So I start a little higher. So, so the seven or something like that, or yeah, around there. Okay, this is where I'm finding it really tricky. Now, a lot of people know that diminished pattern, but less people know this one. Which is... Now on the D, G and B, yeah. um, for the same key, you've now got... Second note, second string, sorry, of each group.
So many fast mixes, it sounds it sounds better when you speed it up. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a simple one to think about, isn't it? But you know, it's something you can just really get stuck into in your practice. I've got loads to practice there, so that's there's, uh, there's lots. What I want to do, if my computer will load it for you, yep. is show you some of these ideas in context. Okay, brilliant. Um, oh, and it did. <coughs> this was very, very unfinished, so I apologise in advance. Okay. Um, but this was a rough track I knocked up some time ago, as we were going to do an instrumental yep. um, in the band. And I decided that I would play on the harmony guitars thing. And I'd play on the neoclassical thing, and I'd play on the harmony sort of interaction between the guitars and what could be done, and see if we could push the boundaries of of harmony guitar work. Yeah. Um, anyway, I've forgotten completely what it sounds like, so let's see what it's Maybe like. Maybe this is something to uh, for our intros. <laughs> Maybe might be. You never know. break that down um, just so you can hear it maybe on its Jack Jones um, here's one part and if I play you the harmony part Thank <laughs> you. 
That's not just reverb, is it? That's that um, bit of delay there. Delay, yeah. Then playing them together. <laughs> And finally, there's one last blast all together with the track. Yeah, that's great. And that was quite a classically based yeah. sort of set of ideas, really, that I, that I cobbled together. But it's harmonising the guitars over each other, which is... Uh really takes some doing, particularly live, doesn't it, I imagine? Uh, but um, live it can be tricky, I, mean, I was lucky I was sitting at home playing all those parts in, but when we go out with the band and play, yeah, we've, we've got to make everything work, Yeah. and um, and sort of work live. Um, yeah, that's great, that was, that's great stuff, yeah, it's loads to practice. Like Lots to be getting on with, yeah. certainly. But yes, see, see how you get on with it. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Excellent, that's lovely.